Hey everybody, welcome to week two of our series on abiding in Christ. What it means to remain in Him, abide in Him, and be at home in His presence. Last week we we looked at what it means to abide in Him, to have a relationship with Him, that He desires to have a relationship with us, to be with us, and He invites us to take His hand and have a close connection that he even says, it says in the Bible, to draw near to God and He will draw near to you, to have a continual communion with Him, to recognize He's with us at all times. We looked at what it means to practice the presence of God in all areas, that He desires a relationship. He doesn't force us to abide, but His invitation is for us to be followers, where He says, come and follow me, to be practitioners and not spectators that we are to be transformed into His likeness and not treat our relationship with Him like a transaction. And so today we're going to be following on that series and we're going to be starting with Jesus' teaching on this in John 15, where He says in John 15, 1, I am the vine and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. Well, every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must abide in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you abide in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you don't abide in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. This is my Father's. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now abide in my love. If you keep my commands, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in His love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant doesn't know the master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I learned from my Father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go bear fruit, fruit that will last. And so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. This is my command, love each other. John Mark Comer articulates this this abiding life way better than I could ever do in his book, Practicing the Way. And this idea of abiding in him, abiding in Christ, remaining in the vine, as we looked at last week. John Mark Comer says, the question isn't whether we are abiding or not abiding. We all abide in something, whether we like it or not, or whether we know it or not. The question is, what are you abiding in? 
I think all of us have a source that we're rooted in. It's, it's where our minds go when we wander, a kind of default setting we're used to, an emotional home. It's where our minds go when we're not busy with tasks. It's where our feelings go when we're all alone. It's where our body goes when we have free time. It's where our money goes when we've paid all the bills. You see, I think all of us make our home somewhere, and the, and the question is where? And today we're going to look at what it, what, it, what it looks like to be planted and rooted and have our home in Him. The message for this teaching today is planted and fruitful. And in particular, to be planted in Him and therefore fruitful because of that. Bearing good fruit and what it means to bear good fruit. And this matters because whatever we abide in will determine the fruit that we bear, whether it's for good or for ill. What is your emotional home? What do you return to in your quiet moments? What what would it look like for us to make our home in God? What would it look like for you to dwell in the presence of God, to to walk with the Spirit, to remain in Him, abide in Him daily? I think one of the Keys to this is where Jesus teaches us prior to giving this beautiful picture of abiding in the vine, where he talks about the Holy Spirit. And the closer that he gets to the cross, he starts to talk about how he will send the Holy Spirit in his place. And in John 14, he says this, Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father well as well. From now on, you do know him and you have seen him. Philip said, Lord, how, show us the Father that, and that will be enough for us. Jesus answered, don't you know me, Philip, even after I've been among you for such a long time? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? The words I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. Or at least believe on the evidence of the works themselves. Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works that I've been doing. And they will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. And I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name and I'll do it. If you love me, keep my commands. And I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. The Spirit of truth, the Holy Spirit. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him. For he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore. But you will see me because I live in you. Because I live, you will also live. On, the day you will, on that day, you will realize that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. All this I have spoken while still with you. But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I've said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled 
and do not be afraid. According to Jesus, the way that we have communion with God now is in today is through his Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians 6.19 says, Don't you know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you've received from God? Jesus himself is with us by his Spirit living in, in us. The same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And he says, he'll lead you into all truth. He's the helper. He, he guides. He empowers us to remain connected to the vine. John Mark Comer says, the first and primary goal of apprenticeship to Jesus is learning to live in a constant state of awareness of and connection to the Holy Spirit. Now through his spirit, we too can accept the invitation of Jesus to come follow me. His invitation, invite to us wasn't to become converts or even to become Christians. His invite to us is to follow him, to be followers of Jesus, to be his disciples who apprentice under him, to learn from him, to be with him, to do what he does, to be like him, to do what he asks of us and to keep his commands. John reminds us that we are as he is in this world. And as we follow and abide, he says, we will be fruitful. And he says, if you abide in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. That you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. The Apostle Paul gives us insight into how the indwelling of the Spirit of Jesus helps us with this. He says in Galatians 5, he says, For you were called to be free, brothers, only don't use this. As use this freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but serve one another through love. For the entire law is fulfilled in one statement, love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out and you will be consumed by one another. I say then, walk by the spirit and you will not carry out the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is against the spirit and the spirit desires what, against, what is against the flesh. These are opposed to each other so that you don't do what you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, moral impurity, promiscuity, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambitions, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, carousing, and anything similar. Yucky, yuck, yuck. Nobody wants that. I tell you about these things in advance, as I told you before, Paul goes on to say, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But, he, he says, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Now those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, we must also follow the Spirit. I grew up hearing this, read out loud, preached, myself reading this, and I look at this as a list of commands to be a better person, to be like Jesus, taught as if Paul is commanding us to be more loving, to be more joyful, to be more patient. But he's not commanding us to do anything or to be more of anything. 
You see, love, joy, peace, patience, they're not a matter of the will, but a, but the fruit of a life walking with the Spirit, the fruit of a life dwelling with God, the fruit of a life abiding in the vine. We can use our willpower for a little bit to be more loving, to be more kind for sure. I mean, there's a lot of loving people out there that don't know Jesus. But it's a limited resource. It doesn't produce lasting fruit that Jesus talks about. It, it eventually runs out. Most of us use up any willpower we have by about 9.55 a.m. Our, patient runs, our patience runs out in the traffic en route to work. Our kindness runs out when that person says that thing that really rubs us the wrong way again. Our joy runs out when we've had another tough day. Paul doesn't command us to be any more of these things. The only commands we see are at the beginning and ending of this passage, which are walk by the Spirit or walk in the Spirit and keep in step with the Spirit. Listen to Him. Let Him guide you. Let Him nudge you. Let Him help you. For years, I had this backwards, focusing so much on the fruit. I got to do better, got to try harder, focusing on the output rather than the input, getting frustrated that the fruit just wasn't lining up. I was being a silly billy, is what I say to my kids. And sadly, there's a lot of silly billy Christians out there. And it's sad because it's not about trying harder. And you imagine if I had an orange tree. I'm in you I'm I'm in your backyard where I bring to you an orange tree tree we plant it it grows beautifully years later it has bright orange juicy oranges the branches are thriving and are fruitful Now first I look at that and I look at any tree that I've been I've been to an orchard and I've never seen a stressed out tree in my life it's not stressed out about the fruit that it's producing it just that's what it does it's natural because it's planted. Its roots go down down deep. It's producing juicy oranges. That's like that's its job. That's of course that's going to happen if it's a healthy tree. But then imagine one of the branches breaks off and separates. It's lying on the ground and you know for a while it looks alive. Its its leaves are green. Its oranges are still on it. Still juicy. But at, I mean obviously over time it starts to dry out. As the weeks progress, the leaves wither, the oranges rot. They go from juicy orange to grossy green. <laughs> and worse than that, the, there's no French, fresh oranges growing on it, like no new oranges. And then I like look at that branch and I get mad at that branch for not producing oranges like it was created to do. I get frustrated that it's not being more fruitful. I, you know, I can encourage it. I can pray for it but zero oranges. Why can't you be like the other branches on the tree over there? The, all the rest of the branches on the tree are producing oranges. And I'm getting mad, like I'm talking to this one in the, the floor and I'm, I'm, I'm comparing it to the one, the one still connected to the tree. And I'm mad because like, you're not producing any fruit. It's crazy. I don't need to be a gardener to understand what's going on. It's not connected to the tree anymore. It's not drawing from the source. It's no longer planted in the soil. I think we can be like that in our, our spiritual lives. Expecting to produce the fruit and the life of Jesus in our lives without being connected to the vine is like expecting fruit to come from a branch that's no longer on the orange tree anymore. 
if I'm connected to him, if I'm abiding in him, good fruit will follow. It's a natural occurrence of just walking with the spirit. There's no command to be more loving if I'm connected, abiding, dwelling in him, walking daily with the spirit, remaining in the father's presence. My life will be fruitful. And praise God that he invites any thing that might have died, any branch that might have been broken. You know, he is a he is a God of grace and he invites us to bring those dead things time and time again to be reconnected to him, breathing life into us again, bearing fruit again. So it's not the end of the story if there's areas in our lives that aren't producing the fruit of Jesus. The simplicity of this teaching is not to focus on the fruit and getting frustrated that I'm not connecting, I'm not, I'm not seeing the, the good fruit of Jesus in my life. The simplicity of this is I can connect to the Father and my focus should be on abiding, connecting, being with Him like He wants to be with Him. Paul uses the imagery of a fruit tree and Jesus uses the metaphor of the vine and the branches. And you can find this imagery throughout the Bible. It's not just in the New Testament. We find that in the the Old Testament as well. In Psalm 1, we read, Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked, or stand in the way that the sinners take, or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord, and who meditates on it day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. Jeremiah 17, 7 to 8 says, But blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. They will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream. It does not fear when heat comes. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of drought and never fails to bear fruit. In Ezekiel 47, the prophet Ezekiel has a vision, a a crazy vision of the temple of God, a vision of the place where God's presence is. And he looks and he sees a river flowing from the temple. And wherever that river flows, there's lots of life. Fish swarming, animals enjoying the river, fishermen catching fish. The Dead Sea, where it meets this river, turns fresh because the river reaches it and it's not salty anymore. The river that that flows from the presence of God is bringing life wherever it goes. And this is an image of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said in John 7, let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. And by this, he meant the Spirit. This is, a, this is an image of the presence of God going forth out of, out of the presence, out of the temple, to the four corners of the earth, to bless the nations, the Holy Spirit. And in Ezekiel 47, we read about Ezekiel's vision. He says, when I arrived there, I saw a great number of trees on each side of the river. Fruit trees of all kinds will grow on both banks of the river. Their leaves will not wither, nor will their fruit fail. Every month they will bear fruit because the water from the sanctuary flows to them. Their fruit will serve for food and their leaves for healing. 
How do these trees bear fruit? They are planted close to the river. It has to do with the positioning of where the tree is abiding. The roots are drawing from a source that, that flows from the presence of God. Drawing from the Holy Spirit daily. And every month they'll bear fruit because the water from the sanctuary flows to them now. They never cease to bear fruit, it says. Just like Jesus said, fruit that lasts. They prosper in life. They are fruitful. Not just in money, but in, in, in all areas of life, there's a prosperity of relationship, of joy, of a resource, of a peace that comes from within that no matter whatever comes my way, a year of drought, or when the heat comes, they're at peace, they're not worried, there's no fear. And they remain strong, they don't wither. They're not swayed by the, by the culture. They're not swayed by, by, by situations and storms, but they remain strong because the, why? Because they're rooted, rooted in the presence, rooted in God himself, the Holy Spirit. Psalm 92 says the righteous will flourish like a palm tree. They will grow like the cedar of Lebanon. Planted in the house of the Lord, they will flourish in the courts of our God. They will still bear fruit in old age. They will stay fresh and green. Psalm 92, 12 to 14. When we plant ourselves in his presence, when we abide in him, when we walk with his spirit, we stay fresh and green, no matter what the age. So fresh and so green, green. There you go. You didn't think I'd be singing, would you? That's for free. Abiding is being planted by the river, connected to the source of life himself. And the character of Jesus is produced in us and through us by abiding in the vine, planting ourselves by the river, walking in the spirit. We will therefore bear good fruit. And some of the fruit I'm talking about is, is what we saw in Paul's letter to the Galatians, to be more loving, more kind, more patient. This is the life of Jesus himself, his character, his ways being formed in us and through us, being transformed by him from the inside out so we look more like him, to be a light to the world and reach the broken and the hurting. You know, their leaves will be healing. They will bear fruit for nourishment. It's how we talk. It's how we act. It's how we leave people feeling when we leave a room. It's the product of the life we live. It's our inner disposition. It's what flows from within us. To be like him in our everyday, his character, his ways, his thoughts, his peace, his love, his holiness, his patience, his joy, his power and anointing. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must abide in the vine, not trying to will it up by ourselves, but by abiding in him, by walking with the Holy Spirit, the more, the more we'll see the life of Jesus being formed in us. And it's not instant, but over time, a little more like him each and every day, we're being formed by something, whether we like it or not. And it's usually what we give our attention to, the people we spend time with, the videos we watch, the things we read, for better or for worse, will produce the fruit of where we decide to plant ourselves. 
Paul in his letter to the Corinthians said, don't be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. We read in the Bible, don't conform to the patterns of the world. Instead, be transformed by the renewal of your mind. When I'm walking close to Jesus, when I'm planted in his presence, when I dwell in the house of God, I'm transformed and the character of Jesus is formed in me. I look at Jesus in the gospels and man, I want to be more like him. I want to live like him. I want to see the things that he saw like he promised in John, like you will do the same things I've been doing. In fact, you'll do even greater things than these. This guy was, I mean, he he was full of peace. Look at him in the boat when the storm came, just asleep. He was never in a rush. He spent a lot of time in community. He enjoyed parties and people eating with others regularly, not just the the religious, but but mainly the broken, the outcasts, the ones society just discarded, the sinners. He loved all, the poor, the sick, the broken, those on the fringe of society. He spent a lot of time in prayer, spent a lot of time sleeping. He would Sabbath, was at the synagogue regularly. He lived simply as far as we could tell. And he was completely secure in who he was. He was humble and kind and loving. He moved in power and miracle. He brought healing to the people around him. He was strong. He was bold. He did what he saw his father doing. He knew the right thing at the, to say at the right time. He, he knew the right thing to do at the right time. And he was always a complete peace. I want to be more like that. I want to experience the fruit of Jesus in my life. And if we want to be more fruitful, it means we have to follow his example and walk by the Spirit. There were things that he did, habits we see in his life, spiritual practices that were blueprints for us on how to live the life that we read of and how to remain in the vine. Things that Jesus did to intentionally position himself by the river, to remain planted in in God, to do what he saw his father doing. Now, obviously, I know life isn't as always as simple as, you know, spend time with Jesus and everything's going to be groovy, baby. Like, it's going to be golden. Like, you are going to be good. No issues whatsoever. We know that's not true. That's not what I'm trying. That's not what I'm saying here. This isn't a formula. It's, it's not a magic wand that everything will be, you know, made perfect overnight. I mean, that would be nice. Just bibbidi bobbidi boo Just everything's amazing. You know, there's so many nuances that you could throw in and around circumstance, addiction, attacks of the enemy. I know I'm quoting John Mark Comer a lot, but, you know, a lot of this teaching, especially in, I just encourage you to read Practicing the Way that he's written. It's just so beautifully sums up what we've been trying to convey over the last few months on this and says it way better. Uh, But he says, the biting is not a technique by which we control our relationship with God, but it's a skill. And like all skills, it takes practice to master. You see what I'm attempting to convey in this and the message for today is that we're called to position our lives in a certain way. If we want to live in the fullness and the fruitfulness that he has for us each day. And to ask ourselves, what fruit, what fruit are you producing? Is it anger? Is it bitterness? Is it lust? Is it fear? And if it's any of those things, you got to ask yourself, where are you abiding then? Because we're all abiding somewhere, like I said at the beginning. 
This isn't a matter of like, I don't have time to abide in him. We all have time to, to stop and just invite the Holy Spirit into our life. This isn't like, hey, become a monk and leave this situation and just join a monastery. This is, I'm living my life in what he's called me to through my work, through my school, through my parenting, through my everyday, and knowing that he's with me and dwell, and I'm dwelling in him, therefore. Because if we're rooted in the endless scroll of social media, we're, you know, it will likely form us to be people who are angry and anxious and arrogant and distracted. If we're rooted in streaming platforms, Netflix and so on, none of these things are bad. But if we're rooted in abiding them, that's where we spend our most time, then likely we'll be formed into people who are restless and bored and never present. But if we're rooted in the inner life of God, we will be transformed into the image of Christ himself. Again, none of those things are bad on their own, but what is our priority? Because if we're rooted in him, if that's our foundation, if that's our base level, like that is where we go, it will slowly grow the fruits of the spirit in our life, the love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, and so on. So this is an invitation to make time for him, reorder our focus, reconnect to the vine, plant ourselves by the river, and to understand that it takes time, it takes sacrifice, intentionality, discipline. He talks about pruning, which we're going to look at over these next few weeks. Being a follower of Jesus isn't easy, but it is fruitful. And like any plant, it does take some tending to by the gardener. A healthy disciple is one who comes under the apprenticeship of Jesus. And like any apprenticeship, it requires time, practice, training, coaching, requires trial and error. Just like anybody who wants to be proficient in in anything, like any craft. It's a lifelong thing. Apprenticeship to Jesus is lifelong. So again, this isn't a fix it overnight. But this series is about taking a time to refocus and to say, what are, what are, like, are we true followers of Christ here? And if we are, our default main setting, our abiding, our dwelling should be him and him alone. He is our focus. We drop everything like the disciples and we follow him. That when he asks us to, to, to not do something or to not watch something or to give up something, like we're okay with that because we know it leads to life. And to invite him into our every day. You know, last week we looked at what it means to practice the presence of God. And there's a book called The Practice of the Presence of God by Brother Lawrence. And he said, in the, in the noise and the clatter of my kitchen, I feel God. I know God is with me. I'm paraphrasing here. But he knew God was with him. He felt the presence of God in the same way that he did when he was taking the sacrament, the bread and the wine. That in whatever noise and clatter of, of whatever kitchen you find yourself in in life, you can invite God in today and say, God, I recognize you're with me. Holy Spirit, I know you're with me. You were here. Now I'm here. It's not a matter of really even inviting him in. You're just saying, you know, like he was there in the first place. You're like, hey, I recognize you're here. I want to abide in you. I want to abide in the vine. I want to reconnect to that orange tree again. And this will look different depending on the stage of life. But whatever stage of life, his invitation is the same. Come follow me. 
remain in the vine, plant yourself by the river, walk with the Spirit, and good fruit will start to flow from that place of dwelling in Him. No longer focusing on the fruit and trying and willing things to happen. But simply, if I could sum this all up, to focus on being connected with Him as our main priority and dwelling in His house and dwelling in Him. Romans 12 to finish says, Romans 12 to 1 to, 1 to 2 in the message says, so here's what I want you to do. God helping you take your everyday ordinary life, your sleeping, your eating, your going to work and walking around life and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. Don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention of, on God. That's the call. Fix your attention on God. And then he says this, you'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. And like the culture around you always dragging you down to the level of its immaturity, God brings the best out of you and develops well-formed maturity in you. In other words, fruit that will last. Today we are re-recording this message because of a recording blip on the Sunday, so you probably don't hear any background hoorahs and amens, which is all good. This is the same message I preached on Sunday. But I'd love to pray with you as we go into this week and as you listen to this message today, that you would know his presence you would know that he's with you and you would know his call to come follow, that his hand of uh, his invitation, his hand out to you is just to be with him, to fall in love with him again. And this whole series is really around just following in love with him, to be with him, and everything else will flow from that. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all this will flow from that. So, Father, I thank you that you call us to be with you. I thank you that you want to be with us. I thank you that you, through your Son and through your Spirit, we can now be with you each and every day. And Lord Jesus, I ask right now that you would, you would speak to us clearly in the heart of hearts, in the depths of our very soul, and draw us to you to come back to our first love, to abide in you, to be planted in you, that we would be people that plant ourselves by the river, and Father, I pray, Lord, that as we do, that whoever is listening today would see that fruit flow from their life, the fruit of the joy that we find in you, the love that we find in you, the peace, the patience, the overflow life of the Spirit, the life of Christ in us to the world around us, that we wouldn't be those who sit back and just wait for everything to come to us. But as we abide in you, Father, I thank you. Your word says you abide in us. And therefore, we will bear fruit. And I thank you that fruit will be nourishment to the nations, will be healing to those around us, and that we would be those who would be known as your disciples because of the fruit that we bear. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Be blessed, church. And we will see you again online or in Sunday in the coming weeks.